Romans chapter 1. In Romans chapter 1, Paul begins to write perhaps his most famous theological work in all of the New Testament because it's in the book of Romans that, will, that he will clearly define and describe the process of salvation. And then he'll move into the practical outworking of salvation. I had a seminary professor when I was going uh, over to school in Memphis that told us his big idea for getting the best understanding of salvation that he possibly could and being able to communicate God's good news to the world was to take the book of Romans and to study it as thoroughly as he possibly could, read every commentary and listen to every sermon that he could find on the book of Romans so that he understood what Paul was talking about, write it all out into his own little notebook stack, and then begin to teach it and preach it. In Romans, we see clearly that people are in desperate need of salvation. We see that Jesus Christ is the only one who can save us. And that when we choose to confess that we're sinners and believe that Christ died for our sins and rose again, we can be saved. And then we understand it is our responsibility as people who have received God's grace to go and share God's grace with the rest of the world. So let's look at Romans chapter 1 this morning as I share with you this message, the good news. Romans chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, a bondservant of Christ Jesus, called as an apostle, set apart, for the gospel of God. I want you to pay attention to that word gospel. Which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the holy scriptures. Concerning his son who was born of a descendant of David according to the flesh. Who was declared the son of God with power by the resurrection from the dead. According to the spirit of holiness. Jesus Christ our Lord through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith among all the Gentiles for his name's sake, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. To all who are the beloved of God in Rome, called as saints, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for you all, because your faith is being proclaimed throughout the whole world. For God, whom I serve in my spirit, in the preaching of the gospel, pay attention to that word again, of his Son, is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you. Always in my prayers, making request. If perhaps now, at last, by the will of God, I may succeed in coming to you. For I long to see you, so that I may impart some spiritual gift to you, that you may be established. That is, that I may be encouraged together with you while among you, each of us by the other's faith, both yours and mine. I do not want you to be unaware, brethren, 
that often I have planned to come to you and have been prevented so and have been prevented so far so that I may obtain some fruit among you also even as among the rest of the gentiles I am under obligation both to Greeks and to barbarians both to wise and to the foolish so for my part I am eager to preach the gospel to you also who are in Rome for I am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith as it is written but the righteous man shall live by faith four times in these 17 verses Paul wrote the word gospel. The word gospel, it's a church word, a Christian word, and if we're not careful, we can talk about the gospel in these walls, and people who have never heard this word gospel may be confused and lost because they have no idea what it means. So here's just a little bit of information for you to help you understand this word gospel. It simply means good news. In fact, Paul and the authors of Scripture were not the only folks to use this word gospel during the time of the Roman Empire. The word gospel, good news, could be used to communicate any good news, any good message. If a king had declared victory over his enemies, he would send out a herald who would proclaim, this is the good news, we've won the victory. The athletes who competed there in the games of the Roman Empire, when they won, a herald would come out to proclaim the good news that victory had been achieved. Any message that was carried from one place to another that brought good tidings and that brought peace was called good news, was called gospel. The reason that Paul and the authors of the New Testament used this word gospel over and over again is because the news that Jesus Christ died for our sins and rose again is good news. In fact, it's the best news, it's the greatest news that anyone could ever hear. Paul knew that because he heard that news himself. He was saved by the grace of Christ Jesus. The gospel was good news for Paul's life. The gospel was good news for the Christians in the city of Rome. And the gospel is good news for us here today. The gospel is good news. And here's the good news. Paul defined this good news in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Check it out sometime. There's, there's really just a few parts to it. First is this. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures. That is, we are sinful people and we have done wrong. But God promised to send a Redeemer who would pay the penalty for people's sins. That's Jesus. The first part of the gospel is that Christ died for our sins, according to the scripture. The second part of the gospel, the good news, is that Jesus was buried. This might not seem like good news, but it shows the fact that Jesus had really died. He wasn't just knocked out, incapacitated, or swooned. Jesus had died for our sins. 
he was buried. And then the third part of the good news is that he rose again according to the scriptures. In fact, God not only foretold of his son's suffering for the sins of the world, he also foretold of Jesus, his son, who would die coming back to life. In fact, Jesus himself told his disciples this before it even happened. He said, truly, I, I say to you, the chief priests and the scribes will come and arrest the Son of Man and they will crucify him. But three days later, he will rise. Christ died for our sins according to the scriptures, the first part of the gospel. He was buried, second part of the gospel. He rose again from the dead according to the scriptures, third part of the gospel. And as you look there in 1 Corinthians 15, Paul then begins to explain the fourth part of the gospel. That is, a number of eyewitnesses saw Jesus after his resurrection. Here's why this is important. It proves the point that Jesus really did come back to life. If you're here this morning and you just heard that, it's good news. It's good news because... Jesus was not defeated by our sin when he died. Rather, Jesus conquered our sin when he died. And Jesus is able to give us victory over sin because of the victory that he has over the grave and over sin. In fact, Paul mentions the different apostles and the different groups of people that saw Jesus post-resurrection. And it's important to note that Paul banked everything, not just in his ministry, but in his personal life, on this gospel message, on this good news. If Jesus hadn't died for the sins of the world, been buried and risen again, and appeared to all of these folks, then Paul's message, his preaching, his entire life was lived in vain. But if his message was true, then everything he did was worth what he was living for, because he was living to proclaim this good news to every single person on the face of the earth. And so here's what we learn about Paul's life in the gospel, about Paul's life in the good news, and how this gospel is good news for our lives. In, in verses 1 through 7, Paul explains that we are set apart for the gospel. We are set apart as Christians for the purpose of sharing the good news. You'll notice that Paul calls himself a bondservant of Christ Jesus. Really a, a slave who's voluntarily surrendered his life to Christ Jesus. Why? Because Christ Jesus gave his life for Paul. Christ Jesus gave his life for us. So we voluntarily surrender to him. We're not Christians because we make a certain amount of money each year. We're not Christians because we live in this part of Arkansas where going to church is kind of the societal norm on Sunday mornings. We're not Christians because our parents taught us the Ten Commandments. We're Christians because we believe that Jesus died for our sins and rose again. That's why we're Christians. This is why we are bondservants of Christ. We've chosen to surrender our lives to Him because He gave His life for us. And because he gives life to us. Paul also called himself an apostle. He wasn't just voluntarily surrendered to Jesus Christ. But Jesus Christ had actually sent him out on mission. 
the word apostle means one who is sent out. Jesus had commissioned Paul to carry this good news to the world. And then Paul also uses this third phrase in verse 1. He wasn't just a bondservant, and he wasn't just called an apostle, but he was set apart for the gospel of God. He was set apart. This same verb that's used here, set apart, is the same word that's used throughout the New Testament to describe something that is holy or consecrated or separated to the Lord. Right? So there are things that we like to consider as consecrated or separated or set apart or holy, right? I mean, you, if you grew up in church, you grew up with this kind of mentality. When you come into the sanctuary on Sunday mornings, you are not supposed to bring coffee in here with you, right? Anybody grow up with that rule? I've broken it here before, by the way. So if you got coffee, don't feel too bad. Just don't spill it on the carpet or somebody's going to come after you. So you, we, we've got this understanding that there are certain areas that are set apart, that are holy to the Lord, right? Um, it, then we've got this, this other idea, too. My, uh, my grandpa kind of had this one. You, you've got your Bible, right? This is God's Word. It's holy, the Holy Bible. You can even see it printed, maybe on the cover or the first page as you open it up or, or the side of your Bible there. Holy Bible. So this book is set apart from other books. If you would ever walk around and you would have uh, something on top of your Bible, he'd make you put it underneath your Bible. Why? Because the, the Bible is God's Word. It's, it's a holy book. It's different from other books, right? If you've got your Sunday school quarterly on top of your Bible, I'm not getting on to you this morning. I'm just trying to make a point, okay? But you, you see the things I'm talking about. Even in our understanding, we've got things that we view as holy, consecrated, set apart. They're special or different. Maybe places of worship, maybe, maybe even God's Word in the sense that we're constantly moving things underneath it. Paul uses this word set apart to say that he himself, his entire life, was set apart for the gospel. Just stop and think about that for a moment. He himself had been called and chosen of God for a different purpose than other people in the world. Do you view yourself, not just this sanctuary on Sunday mornings, and not just when you come in the doors of the First Baptist Church facility, do you view yourself as one who is set apart for the good news, for the gospel. Because really, that's who you are. And listen, you might not be the same person as the Apostle Paul, right? You, you might not call yourself this apostle. You might not understand yourself as this great preacher and missionary traveler. But notice that Paul told all of the folks to whom he was writing that they also were called. Look at verse 6. Paul said, among whom you also are the called of Jesus Christ. You remember Paul's encounter with Jesus, don't you, when he became a Christian? Paul was once known as Saul. That was the Hebrew way to pronounce his name. And this man Saul was somebody who believed that Jesus Christ and his followers were ungodly people. He thought that this story about Jesus rising from the dead was a bunch of nonsense. He thought these Christians who called themselves followers of the way were absolutely crazy and that he was doing God and God's kingdom a service by having Christians arrested and beaten, imprisoned, and even executed so that he could stop this message 
of Christianity from spreading. And one day, while Paul, Saul, was taking letters to the city of Damascus so that he could arrest more Christians, more believers in Jesus Christ, he encountered this bright, shining light from out of the sky. And he heard this voice that said, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And Saul said, who are you, Lord, as he fell down to his knees? And the voice said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. As Saul was struck blind by this great light, and as he heard this voice, the call of Jesus Christ on his life, his entire life changed. He was struck blind physically by this light, but spiritually his eyes were beginning to open because he was beginning to understand that these Christians weren't just crazy people, that these Christians were the only ones who knew the full truth, that Jesus Christ is the way, the truth, and the life, and that only by coming to Jesus Christ can you know who God is. And Paul went and sat in the city for three days. He didn't eat anything, didn't drink anything. His mind was filled with, whose voice have I just heard? His heart was filled with these thoughts of remorse over what he had done, but these thoughts of love, that there was a God in heaven who would forgive him of his mistakes and failures. And Paul, seated there in this house by himself, began to realize that God had a different purpose for his life than the purpose for which he'd been living for so long. For so long, Paul thought his life was all about making himself known as one of the great teachers, the great Pharisees of Judaism. For so long, Paul had thought, I must be the best Jew possible so that people remember my name and my teaching. I must do something great for God's kingdom, like stamping out this Christian teaching so that people will remember Paul, the zealous one for God. But when Jesus changed Paul's heart that day, he changed Paul's entire life. It was really like Paul could cut, separate his life into two time periods. This was Saul, the persecutor of the church before he knew Jesus. But now this was Paul, the apostle, the bondservant of Jesus Christ, set apart to share the good news of Jesus with the world. And Paul said this, you might not have been called the same way that I was, blinded by a light on the road to Damascus. You might not have heard the audible voice of Christ crying out to you from heaven. But if you have come to know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, that is, if, if you have trusted that he died for your sins and rose again, and if you've given your life to him, then you are called of Jesus Christ. Do you know that this morning? Maybe you're not a Christian and maybe you've never experienced this call of Jesus Christ on your life. And you've got this very strange sensation in your heart and in your mind today like you've been living your life for so long without truly knowing God and without truly knowing why you've been put on this earth. This is Jesus Christ speaking to your heart. Telling you that he wants to give you meaning and purpose in life. You find that meaning and purpose when you confess your sins and you trust that he died for your sins and you give your life to him as Lord. Or maybe you're here this morning as a Christian and you've already believed 
the good news, the gospel message. But for some reason, you have forgotten that you are called of God, that you are separated unto Him. Just like Paul the Apostle, your life is not your own anymore if you're a Christian. Your life belongs to Jesus. You are set apart for the gospel. That means you as a Christian will live a different life than others in this world. In fact, Paul goes on to say in verse 7, to all who are beloved of God in Rome, called as saints. This word saint is sometimes translated as holy one in our English Bibles. We've got funny and weird ideas about saints in our time, right? Saints are not just the 11 guys that get on the football field down in New Orleans. Saints are not just the people whose pictures are plastered on stained glass windows in Catholic church buildings. Saints are people who have been made holy because Jesus forgave them of their sins and changed their life so that they would walk in godliness. So listen to me and and hear me out for just a moment this morning. If you are in Christ, then you are a saint. You are a holy one of God. You might go, Jake, that's not me. Maybe you don't want the responsibility or, or maybe you refuse to think of yourself as one who is one of God's holy ones, one of his saints. Listen to me. If that's your attitude and that's your perspective, it's not that you have this good sense of humility. It's that you have a horrible understanding of how much God's grace can change you. And of how much you need God's grace to change you. I mean, listen to me. Every single one of us in here this morning have done things that we are ashamed of, embarrassed by, and we are by no means proud of. We don't want to talk about it. We don't want to think about it. We don't want to mention it. We don't want anybody to know it. But Paul, as he would go around sharing this gospel message, was fine with saying, look, I'm called as an apostle of Jesus Christ. I, I'm a bondservant of his. I've been set apart to proclaim this gospel message. And here's what my life looked like before, but here's what it is now. Jesus has made me a new man, a completely different person. As Christians, the gospel, the good news, changes our lives because it sets us apart for the gospel. It sets us apart for proclaiming this good news. Paul not only communicated that we are set apart for the gospel, he also said that we are servants of the gospel. We are servants of the gospel. We see this in verses 8 through 15. Paul specifically said in verse 9, For God whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his Son is my witness as to how unceasingly I make mention of you. Paul calls himself a servant of the Lord, a servant of the gospel. The gospel is good news for our lives because it gives us something, someone to serve. You know, there are people walking around on this earth doing all kinds of good things for all kinds of good reasons, contributing to all kinds of good causes, to do all kinds of good work. But it was in Jesus Christ alone and in the gospel message alone that Paul found this lower service to be the highest level, bring the highest level of satisfaction that he could ever experience. 
we too are servants of the gospel. Notice that Paul prayed for people all the time, unceasingly. He's a prayer warrior. This is one way in which he served. You notice that he preached. He would publicly stand and bear witness to the fact that Christ had died for sins and risen again. He also would travel. That is, he would intentionally go to different places to share this good news with people. He was out on mission. He also would encourage people in churches because Jesus had saved him. And Jesus had saved them and he knew that if he would encourage those people and those people would encourage him, then together they would continue to share this life-changing message that would change the entire world. We too are servants of the gospel. We are servants of the gospel. That is, everything we do and anything that we do ought to go to further the point that Jesus Christ can and will save people. Listen to me, understand. This is why we distribute food through our food pantry ministry here at the church. I mean, I want you to stop and think about this for a moment. We can give people who need rice and beans and canned vegetables and fruits and bread and meat, we can give them food to eat for the next week or two weeks. But I can tell you this right now. No amount of food and no quality of physical food that we could give those people is going to change their lives or give them eternal life. Do you know that? We love those people and we, we provide to meet that physical need. But listen, folks, the church has been placed here on this earth to share the bread of life. The church has been placed here and established on this earth to share the living water with people who have a thirst that cannot be quenched by anything else in this world other than Christ. This is why Paul went on his mission trips. This is why Paul preached. This is why he prayed. This is why he did deeds of service and mercy in the communities and churches where he visited. This is why he encouraged other believers. Because he was a servant of the gospel. If I had to ask you what your life is, is all about, you know, what, what bigger thing do you serve? What's the great reason why you live? Why do you get up in the morning and do what you do? Would it be because you are a servant of the gospel? Or would it be because of something else? Many people, many Christians even, think that the reason they've been placed on this earth is to make themselves happy and healthy and wealthy. That's not the point of your life. There is something so much bigger for your life than your life. It's the life of Christ. Jesus came to save us. But did, Jesus didn't just come to save me. Jesus came to save the world from their sins. Have you chosen to become a servant of the gospel? Paul knew that's what his life was about. He challenged these Romans to remember that their lives were about the same thing. In fact, Paul would tell them in verse 14 that he was under obligation. That it was his duty, his responsibility as a Christian to serve the Lord so that Greeks and barbarians, to the, that, that wise and foolish, that Jews and Gentiles could hear the good news of Jesus Christ. He said, guys, the whole reason why I want to come to you in Rome and see you and talk to you is because I'm a servant of the gospel and I want to serve you by preaching 
the gospel. We are servants of the gospel. We are set apart for the gospel. And then third, I want you to see in verses 16 and 17 that we are sharers in the gospel. We are sharers in the gospel. The gospel is good news for our lives because the gospel message, the good news that Christ died for our sins and rose again is the message that we heard and believed so that we could be saved. I like what Paul says in verse 16. And so oftentimes we immediately jump to sharing with others the good news of Jesus Christ. But I want you to, to think about this verse just a little bit differently. Paul said, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. I think he meant that he was not ashamed to tell the good news to other people. But I think first and foremost, even before that, he meant, I am not ashamed to believe this message myself. I mean, here's the thing. You know, there's been studies done through Lifeway and the Southern Baptist Convention and even amongst evangelical churches in North America about the reason why Christians don't evangelize, the reason why Christians don't share the good news of Jesus with other people. And there's been all kinds of reasons. You know, people say they're scared to talk to other people. Maybe they are. People say, well, I don't know how to share the gospel message. Maybe they don't. Maybe we need to educate them. People will say, well, I, I'm just not comfortable doing it. I'm not gifted that way. And maybe some people can communicate it more clearly and boldly and convictionally than others. But you know what all three of those things are? They're, they're just lame excuses. I mean, it's, it's the truth. They're just lame excuses. But let me give you the real reason why I think so many Christians don't share the gospel message with other people. It's because they haven't truly received it themselves. I mean, I just want you to stop and think about this with me for a moment. Paul wasn't ashamed to tell other people how much Jesus could change their life because Paul had had to experience this radical life change himself. Here's what we've done. We think that if we come to church on Sunday mornings, we can slap this label Christian on our Facebook status, and boom, we're a Christian. This is not what a Christian is. A Christian is somebody who has chosen to believe that Jesus died for their sins, for the awful things that they've done, thought, and said. And yes, every single one of us in this room has done, said, and thought awful things. And we need Christ's grace to forgive us of our sins. And when we realize just how great this redemption is, then we're faithful to share it with other people. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation to everyone who believes. Did Paul want other people to believe as he shared this message? Yeah, buddy, you better bet so. But I want you to think about this. Would it have been very difficult and even impossible for Paul to get people to believe this message if he himself hadn't first believed it? The only way we can share the gospel with other people is if we have allowed Christ's grace to come in and transform our own hearts. Here's what I'm telling you this morning in no uncertain terms. Just because you're sitting in a church pew and listening to the Bible preach does not make you a Christian. Some of you genuinely may need to ask yourselves, is there a point in my life 
when I've asked God to forgive me of my sins? Is there a point in my life that I've trusted that Jesus died for my sins and rose again? Is there a point in my life when I have given my life to him and made him Lord of everything? Folks, if there's not, there can be here and now today. The only way you can share the good news with other people is if you first receive the good news yourself. Paul said it's the power of God and salvation to everyone who believes. And Paul wasn't ashamed to say, I believe it. He said to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Do you know that Paul is known as the apostle to the Gentiles throughout the New Testament? You know what that basically means? He's the apostle to the Greek-speaking people among the nations. Was Paul a Gentile? No. He spoke Greek and spoke it well. But Paul was a Jew. Did you know that Paul the Jew first had to believe the gospel message himself before it could become the power of God to salvation of the Gentiles he was going to share with? Some of you haven't personally realized the power of the gospel to change your own heart and your own life. You think you're good enough on your own, but you're not. You think that you can go through this life thinking that, well, one day I'll get real with God and be honest about my sin and truly trust that Christ came to save me. Folks, don't live your life that way. Jesus came to change your life forever. Why not let him start changing your life right now? He didn't just come to give you eternal life in heaven. He came to give you eternal life the moment that you believe. The gospel is the power of God to salvation. Paul says in it, in the gospel message, the righteousness is re- of God is revealed from faith to faith. That is, it starts with faith and it ends with faith. Paul knew there was nothing good in him that had saved him or could keep him saved. In fact, you'll notice in verse 15 that Paul was going to Rome to preach the gospel to Christians. Why would he do that? Why would he spend his time preaching the gospel message to people who had already been saved? Because he knew that those people, just like himself, needed to hear every day that there's no way we can save ourselves and that only Jesus can. And that Jesus fully and completely does. The righteous person doesn't live by good works. The righteous person doesn't live by doing good deeds. The righteous person doesn't live in their own power. The righteous person lives believing that the power of the gospel has transformed and changed their hearts. The righteous person lives by faith in the Son of God who came and died for our sins and rose again. And I ask you this question. Are you a sharer in the gospel? I mean, I could ask you if you're a sharer of the gospel, and if you haven't talked to anybody about Jesus this week, you're not a sharer of the gospel. So maybe let's go back one step. But truly ask yourself if, if you are a sharer in the gospel message. You know, we, we keep thinking that what we need in the church are more courageous evangelists, right? I mean, maybe before we get to the point of raising up courageous evangelists, we need just to make sure we've got some genuine Christians in the church. People who truly believe the good news of Jesus Christ. gospel is good news for our lives and when the gospel becomes good news for our lives it's good news and we are willing and ready and eager to share it 
Let me ask you this question this morning. Has the gospel become good news in your life? Have you personally believed that Jesus Christ died for your sins and rose again? Have you given your life to Him as Lord? I'm not telling you that you need to go do do more good stuff. I'm not telling you that you need to show up here to our church activities more. I'm not telling you to do anything in your own power. I'm telling you to admit that you are a sinner who needs God's grace. And if you'll admit that, and then confess your sin to Christ, and He's faithful and just to forgive you of your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Would you stand with your heads bowed and your eyes closed? Nick and our musicians are going to come and Lead us in a song of invitation, a a time of response. Maybe you're here this morning and you truly haven't trusted in Jesus Christ to save you from your sins. And maybe instead of playing the Christian game to look good in front of other people, you just need to admit the truth that you stand before a holy God and you look horrible because there's sin in your life. And you've never been forgiven of it. Listen, I don't care if this is your first time here or you've been here for 50 years. If you don't know Jesus, you can today and He wants you to know Him. If you're here today and you don't know Christ, would you just pray something from your heart like this? Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner. Jesus, I know that You're the only one who could save me from my sin. Jesus, I'm trying to to make myself feel better. I'm trying to do better, but I can't. But Jesus, I know that you can forgive me and make me new. Jesus, I believe that you died for my sins and rose again. Jesus, I give my life to you. Not just part of myself, not just some of me, but all of me. I give myself to you. Would you save me today? If you prayed that prayer here this morning, would you just pray again to the Lord and Thank Him for saving you. If you're here this morning and and you just prayed that prayer, or if you're here this morning and and you talked to the Lord a long time ago in prayer and gave your life to Him, would you tell the Lord that you want to share His good news with the world? Would you ask Him to give you the courage To see those around you who are in need of salvation. And to take the opportunity to share with them the good news of Jesus Christ. Would you think of one person in your life this morning. That you know is not saved. Or or that you don't know for sure if they're saved. Would you ask God to give you the chance to talk to them even today. About the good news of Jesus. 
during this song. I'm just going to ask you to respond to God as He is speaking to your heart. This altar will be open if you need to come and kneel in prayer. Maybe you just need to stand and spend some time talking to the Lord in prayer. If you need to come and speak with me about a decision that you need to make, or you just need me to, to pray with you, I'd be happy to do so. As God calls you today, would you